How should you value Nick Chubb and Kareem Hunt now? What running back is a sleeper that could go at the 101 in rookie drafts? And we take a closer look at how the quarterbacks finished in 2018. Plus, the 2018 FFPC main event fifth-place finisher Robel70 drops in to talk about how he earned a five-figure payout in his first year in the FFPC. We've got a great show for you. Dave Gerzak is here. I'm Eric Falkman. Stick around. Your high-stakes fantasy football hour starts now. Hands, everybody. If you got what it takes, because I'm and I'm on the mic and premieres on the break. Broadcast live and heard around the world, you are now listening to the most entertaining hour of radio on the planet. It's the High Stakes Fantasy Football Hour presented by MyFFPC.com with your hosts, Eric Balkman and Dave Gerzak. The High Stakes Fantasy Football Hour is your home for football analysis from the best fantasy players in the world. And now, because no one else was available, here are Eric Balkman and Dave Gerzak. Salutations, all of you Balkaholics, Anger, Zach, and Addicts. Welcome to the latest episode of the High Stakes Fantasy Football Hour, presented by MyFFPC.com. I'm your slightly above-average host, Eric Falkman. My co-host is indeed the patron saint of fantasy football. He is the Dizzle, Dave Gerzak. Coming up on tonight's show, we'll give you the latest twist in the Le'Veon Bell saga. How concerned you should be drafting Will Fuller and the fifth-place finisher in the 2018 FFPC main event, Robo 70, gives us his recollections on his very first experience in high-stakes fantasy football and the $20,000 that came with it. Shout-out to the chat room right now. Feel free to post any questions you might have in there. If you want to connect with us on Twitter, you can do so at HSFFHour, at Eric Balkman, at David Gerzak. Robo is on Twitter at R70. Uh, Facebook.com slash HSFFR is where you can reach us there. If you want to chime in and talk with us tonight, please do so. 347-426-3682. That's 347-GAME-OVA. You can also email the show at the inbox, highstakesfantasyfootball at gmail.com. Now is the time. If you have any questions for us, send them in. We'll get to all the chat room questions. Tweets and emails in the fantasy feedback segment later on in the show. To shout out to Rob, our producer, mutual friend, and Bryce, our audio engineer, Working tirelessly tonight on this, um, I don't know, you know, normally the night before a holiday, you call it holiday eve, we're the day after a holiday, so I guess it's um, whatever you call it, the day after Valentine's Day. David Gerzak, how was your uh, Valentine's Day? Good? Yeah, it was outstanding, Ross. How about you? Uh, it wasn't bad. What did you do? Uh, got my wife some flowers. Good for you, man. <laughs> That's about it. I, uh, yeah, I just hung out. I lifted weights and I ran at the gym. That was that was my Valentine's Day. My cool. wife was thrilled. She was she was actually cool because I ended up um, taking the kids for for part of the night and uh, so I think like. So it was your night with the kids. I've been with her. I, I've been with the kids a lot this week, and I, my wife has had uh, parent teacher conferences this week, so I um, it, it's been a thing where I've had to put the kids to bed uh, a lot, and I've I've been with them a lot this week, which has been good for both them and her. Uh, no question. So uh, it was a good week, and uh, we have a good show ahead of us. Lovely. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. 
Uh, let's bring in tonight's guest uh, right now. He uh, started playing fantasy football 25 years ago uh, when Dave was just, uh, what, 52, I think. Uh, tr- he truly enjoys the, <laughs> the competition <laughs> and variability that comes. Sorry, sorry, sorry. Uh, the, he enjoys the competition and the variability that comes with determining weekly starting lineups amongst the chaos of pro football. He's had friends that he's known for quite some time that actually introduced him to the FFPC. I'm going to read some of those names here, Dave, because you might recognize them, uh, who have been guests on this show, who have won six-figure grand prizes with us. Blake Pyle, Mark Harrelson, Greg Robertson, Arthur Blanks, uh, excuse me, Arthur Banks, Michael Rostein, and, of course, Nelson Burbitt. And after winning one of his local leagues, he decided it was time to step up and give it a shot. And that shot earned him $20,000 and fifth place overall in the 2018 FFPC main event. Please welcome into the show, Mr. Robel 70. Robel, thanks so much for joining us this weekend. Appreciate it, man. Nope, no problem, guys. I'm, uh, I appreciate you guys having me on board. And it's, uh, I apologize. I probably didn't give you the right pronunciation. It's Robel. Robel, thank you so much, Robel. I appreciate that for sure. The I, 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 yeah, exactly. <laughs> I um, I want to. Um, you know, they don't call it the Robel Peace Prize. Yeah, well, that's that's a great point. Uh, definitely a good point. <laughs> we talk a lot about, um, and we have talked a lot about on the show within the last two months about the Sean McVay coaching tree, Dave. Uh, all these coaches coming from the Sean McVay coaching tree. I don't necessarily want to call it the Blake Pyle coaching tree oh, because there are, there's so many good names on here. We have been, we've had Blake Pyle. We've had Nelson Burbitt has been on the show. You know, we playing tree. It, yeah, I guess it would be the playing tree. Right. Exactly. And, and Robel, maybe it's the Robel 70 uh, uh, playing tree here as we welcome you on to the show tonight. But listen, Robel, I, you know, you probably haven't, I don't know if you've heard all the episodes, a lot of your buddies that introduced you to the FFPC, we've had on the show before. So clearly, whatever uh, you guys going, uh, got going down in Texas, it, it's working. We've all worked together and we've all had to spend a lot of time listening to how Blake thinks he's the greatest Spanish group football player or manager of all time. So we know too well about every appearance he's had on your show. We know too much about every single week and every single lineup he's put together and how great they are. And we've heard too much about Jordan Reed for too many years about uh, about Jordan Reed's greatness and Kirk Cousins' greatness. So we're tired, tired of listening to anything that has to do with Blake Pyle's teams. I'm just going to tell you that from, 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 for, for all of us. All right. So, so here's my promise to you, Robel, and, and, and the rest of, of, of the Texas uh, the, the Legion that we've had on this show before. This will be a Jordan Reed and a Blake Pyle free show the rest of the way. We don't want to oh, talk so. about them because we've heard a ton about them on this show. What we have not heard about <laughs> a ton of is you. Uh, can you tell the listeners what you do for a living when you are not finishing fifth place in the FFPC main event? So a bunch of us met years ago doing different things and then we all eventually coalesced and started working in the payment processing business. So I've been in the payment processing business for about 20 years now on the operations side of the business, handling a lot more of the customer service and uh, technical support and uh, also some finance functions there. Blake actually uh, worked with me closely. Uh, I reported to him for a short while at a company. And uh, we've, we've been on the payment side of the business, and that's how we met Nelson. So Nelson Burbitt was one of our great sales partners for years, and he's still a good sales partner. And uh, he's in the Philly area, and he's an Eagles fan. So anytime the Eagles do well, I try to say something positive for him. I'm a Cowboys fan. 
But uh, we all met because <laughs> of the payments processing. We all met because through the payment processing business. That's really interesting, actually. Yeah, no, that's fascinating. I like it. That's good stuff. And we've had Nelson has been on the show at least once. Blake has been on the show at least once, no question. And and uh, Michael Rothstein is a guy that that I know his reputation precedes him as well. So you guys, again, like the the you know the payment processing. Okay, you guys clearly know that, but. But from a fantasy football side, you guys have been dominant uh, on that side as well. And that's the portion, Dave, that we want to get into now. Yeah, so tell us, you, so, you, you, so you had almost $20,000 in your first year ever playing with us. Uh, you registered a little bit late. You registered in mid-August, and then just three weeks later, you headed out to Planet Hollywood to draft live in September. Were, you, were the guys just taunting you all, all early August and, and saying, hey, man, aren't you going to come draft with us or what? Is that, is that what happened? No, no. So this is kind of silly, but uh, this is the way I am. So we've got a local league that uh, we've run, and I was asked to join this league probably about 10, 15 years ago. And in that local league, every year I just told myself, when I win this league, not if, but when I win this league, I'll do main event. So I won it two seasons ago. And then uh, I – I just got busy and I completely got distracted. And the next thing I know, I said to myself, I got to, I got to register for main event. So right when I went to go register, I realized that I was up to, to, you know, the shot clock was running out. So that was the only reason why it took me so long to get there. I was just distracted and hadn't done anything yet. And I was ready to do it. And that was it. That's good. It means you're making enough money working hard. Yeah. You don't have to really worry about the entry fee so much. <laughs> no, I don't know about that. I don't know about that. <laughs> <laughs> well, listen, uh, let, I, we can yes, we can pretend, but we won't pretend uh, about you guys, uh, 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 Robel, about you drafting for real, which was the last time slot we had live Saturday afternoon in Vegas. Can you can you give us some insight on what, what it was like drafting live out at Planet Hollywood for you? And afterwards, when, when you're looking at your squad, what did you think of the team? Man, it was, it was a great experience. It was you know, it was not something that I could tell anybody that has never done it before what to prepare for. It was just kind of overwhelming. You know, you walk into that ballroom and you've got all these groups and leagues and, you know, draft boards set up. And then when you walk in, you see all the other draft boards of people that drafted earlier in the day. It was overwhelming. And then, uh, you know, I, I walked in, I had a good idea of what I wanted to do that day. And I obviously didn't know where I was going to be drafting as far as order. But uh, I felt good about my team. And I'm one of those guys that once I draft, I don't want to look at my board. I just want to move on to my next draft and get that out of the way. Uh, I drafted in that last spot on that Saturday, and what hit me was that I don't have another draft after that. So now it was kind of like looking at the team and just kind of dissecting it and saying, okay, I don't like this, I don't like that, and then starting to look at lineups because I had to submit my starting lineup right away. And, you know, for somebody that's not used to FFPC or main event, and, and especially drafting that late in week one, you just got to be quick and you got to be ready to kind of decide this is who I'm going to start. So that Sunday I stuck around in Vegas and I watched the games and my starting quarterback in week one was Aaron Rodgers. That was the game against Chicago where he gets knocked out. So I'm sitting there watching oh, that man. game and I'm thinking to myself, I cannot believe this. I can't believe my starting quarterback is getting knocked out in week one. He walks to the locker room, and I'm thinking to myself, he tore his ACL, he's done. So then I head back to Dallas, and then that following week when I was getting ready to set my lineup for week two, I just thought to myself, you know, I can't take a chance with Rodgers 
in that spot. I'm going to start the backup. And I just thought, you know what, let's just roll the dice and let's see what's happened, what happens with this young kid from, you know, Texas Tech that's at Kansas City. And that was nah. Aaron, Aaron Rodgers never saw the starting lineup again after that. That is awesome. That is fantastic. No question. No question. That is awesome. Dave, go ahead. Did you have something? No. Otherwise, I wanted to add something. Yeah, go ahead. Okay, so one of, I, did, I did, and you were pointing at me like I didn't know if your, your, your question trumped mine. No uh, pun intended. Um, uh, Robel, let, let me ask you this. There's a lot of people who say, not necessarily with the main event, but the Football Guys Players Championship, basically any high-stakes league, they say, especially when you get to those early September drafts, there is no such thing as a sleeper. Did you see, when you were drafting live, did you notice that a lot of the guys that, that you were – you know, that you kind of like that were quote-unquote sleepers, they were going one, two, maybe sometimes three rounds ahead of where, where you expected them to go. And how did you roll with those punches when you were drafting live for the first time? And, there, there, you know, what was interesting was what I noticed is that, at, and, and this is probably uh, typical for a lot of people that, that haven't played in FFPC or a main event leagues, that you, you'll have four or five guys on your list that you – you're guessing you're going to be able to get at least one or two of them. And what I kept noticing was that in that main event draft, I kept, I kept missing out on my guys and they were like two, two rounds ahead of me or one round ahead of me of where I wanted to take them. They were gone. So, so I kept thinking about that. I was just like, man, you know, am I going to have to rush and take somebody ahead of time, you know, ahead of where I wanted to, to take them. And, and I was really focused more on wide receivers. So, uh, there were wide receivers that I wanted to get. I wanted to get Juju Smith-Schuster, so I made sure I got him. And, and there were a couple other receivers that I wanted to make sure that I, that I was able to take. But that definitely was a surprise to me of how quickly they were moving. Yeah, it's pretty amazing. I mean, yeah, people will reach the players. Happens every year. Yeah, 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 no question. So your squad was up pretty dominant getting the sweep bonus, which is, means you had the best record at most points. You won the league in the playoffs, so you just crushed it. All, the, all your league mates were, you know, probably pissed off at you. No question. But uh, what can you share about your experiences following your squad's performance in the three-week championship round, especially in Week 16? Tell us about that a little bit. Yeah, so, so like, the, the championship round was kind of nerve-wracking for me. That was uh, when, when I almost started seeing my studs kind of starting to slack off and take a little time off. Mahomes and Kamara – were the two guys that, especially in the first quarter of the season, were just lights out. I mean, we're talking about 40-point games. And all of a sudden, you know, that championship round, the round comes around, and then especially Kamara with Ingram being back in, he just tapered off. And then Mahomes was having up-and-down games here and there. He would have one game for 30 points and then have another game, you know, mid, mid-teens, you know, high-teens. But what surprised me and pleasantly surprised me was what – you know, Carson did and some of the other guys. And Woods' production, uh, especially after Cooper Cup went out, was incredible. And he was the guy that was fifth wide receiver for me. So, he, you know, he took off. So I was really happy with the production I was able to get out of Adams and Evans, Woods. Uh, Boyd was doing great for me once A.J. Green went out. And Boyd was a pickup for me. So I was really happy with the production I was able to get out of him. And then um, he got hurt, obviously, during the championship round. So it was a little, uh, a little nerve-wracking during the championship round. But week 16 was great because those guys were able to do a lot for me. 
talking with Robel Seventy, the fifth place finisher in the FFPC main event in 2018 here on the High Stakes Fantasy Football Hour. Eric Balkman, Dave Gerzak. Robel, let me ask you something. This was your first experience in the FFPC, especially draft, you know, drafting online, drafting live, whatever. It doesn't make a difference. I'm curious as to when you look back on this season, how it went, the draft itself, the blind bidding, the lineup submission. Is there anything uh, from a strategic stra- uh, standpoint that you wish you would have maybe done a little bit differently that you plan on applying in 2019 drafts? You know what? I, I think I think the the one thing that I didn't do well enough was utilizing the, the Saturday uh, the Saturday uh, uh, auction or blind bid uh, window. Uh, I was really more focused on on the the you know the first window and trying to focus on pickups there. And then towards the end of the season, I started, you know, kind of waking up and realizing that, okay, I didn't get the guys that I wanted. Let me go look at some other guys that are out there that might've been dropped on Thursday. So more than anything else is, is kind of focusing on the second window for the, uh, for pickups. And then uh, besides that, man, to be honest with you on, on draft day is really, really being ready to anticipate that, that some of the sleepers and some of the guys that I really want might not be there and start working on, like, you know, plan 1As instead of just plan 1 or plan A <laughs> and, and just being just being prepared for the fact that, that, you know, when I wanted to get Kareem Hunt, he was gone. So who's the next guy up? And I know this season, especially with his predicament and his situation, and obviously the Browns just signed in, but there's going to be other guys next year that, that uh, are going to be in that similar situation where they're going to be considered sleepers and, and – uh, I want to I want to kind of get a head start on that stuff. So I'm looking forward to kind of uh, uh, tackling that in the in the next uh, draft. It's interesting you mentioned that because the next question has to do with Todd Gurley. He had a kind of an interesting season. Uh, he was an MVP candidate. He was killing it all year long. And during the playoffs, he ends up seeding touches to journeyman uh, C.J. Anderson at the end. So now, I mean, even in these early drafts, he's going. I see him going at picks three, four, sometimes even five. And in the main event next year, you may have picked, let's say, four or five, and maybe uh, Gurley you know, ends up coming to you. Would you consider him, or what are you thinking about Todd Gurley next year after seeing what, what's going on with him? And I would consider him all day long. I had him, I had him in a couple other leagues. And, uh, you know, I think, I think what people forget sometimes about him and I'm also think, and Gurley was getting 20-plus touches a week and had, had plenty of rest because Cooper Cup was there. And Cooper Cup was doing a lot for that offense, especially moving the chains where it, it took a lot of pressure off of the other players. And the moment that Cooper Cup gets hurt and is out for the season, it's almost like you notice that that whole offense changed and everybody, the pressure just kept piling up on two main players. It was on, on Goff and on Gurley. And Gurley, you know, he was still getting the same amount of touches in that season one. And I think, you know, a lot of people forgot about when Gurley first came into the league, he was getting hurt. And there was a lot of overuse even when he was at Georgia, and that's just the way it is. But I think that, you know, as long as Cooper Cup comes back and that offense has stability on the O-line and they're able to kind of keep that that core of Woods, Cup, and uh, Cooks, I think everything everything is there. So my caveat would be that as long as Cup is back and uh, everything else stays in line with the O-line, I'm definitely a, a big believer and a big buyer on Gurley. T-Ball, he, he's a man after my own heart. He yeah. loves Cooper Cup yeah. is the main guy no question. that is 
very important to that offense. And Robel, I think that you made this point. Like, you know, you're talking about a, a missed field goal from the Rams coming, you know, well, making it a one score. Zerline. Super Bowl. Yeah, you know, yeah, yeah Zerline, yeah. Uh, well, and they, they well not only that, uh, the Saints, uh, Saints, uh, uh, Saints uh, pass interference. <laughs> <laughs> oh, right, yeah, yeah, that was that, no question. We have to bring that up as well. Um, but they lose the uh, the Rams lose the Super Bowl by ten points, and and they were a Zerline kick away from making it a one score game. But I I think as you will will say, uh, in, and forgive me if I'm putting words in your mouth here, but a healthy Cooper Cup and a healthy Todd Gurley, maybe we're talking about the Rams as the Super Bowl champs rather than the Super Bowl runners up. Oh yeah, yeah, and, and you know with that with that Rams defense, I think you know that Rams defense. People were really critical of that defense, but everybody forgets all the injuries that took place on that defense. And, and going into the season, people were high on that defense, not the offense. And everybody was going crazy about Talib and Peters and Sue and and you know Donald, of course. But and that was you know uh, early in the season. But I, I think that that defense got a lot of pressure put on them because of the inability of the offense to hold the ball once Cooper Cup went out. So I'm I'm kind of curious to see how everything shakes up with that. And I know he had, a, you know, the ACL tear, and, and we'll kind of see when he comes back from that. But, yeah, my stock in Gurley goes up and down based off of what happens with that O-line and also what happens with Cooper Cup. I don't know if you guys saw this, and I'll bring it up to both of you guys, but I read a story, I can't remember, I think it was um, the, the USA Today article about – um, Brian Hoyer, who is the backup quarterback for the New England Patriots, was watching an episode of the ESPN Plus show Detail with uh, with Peyton Manning, uh, and Peyton Manning is sort of um, uh, you know breaking down Jared Goff and what have you. And there's some footage, some behind the scenes footage over the last couple of years. And Brian Hoyer is noticing that not only is the language very similar to to what he experienced um, with you know under Sean McVay and and, and under Kyle Shanahan he was noticing uh, that the offense was the same. And he kind of brought this up with, with uh, Bill Belichick and said, like, look, you know, if, if we can find a way to the quarterback, uh, this offense does not have a way to, to, uh, um, uh, to, to, to sort of move the ball unless the quarterback is making a play. And obviously we saw Jared Goff really falter under pressure. And so Hoyer brings us up with Belichick, and, and I'm not saying this is the reason, but the Rams put up three points in the Super Bowl. And this yeah. was after – uh, and then he also, I, I, I forgot this, he watched the, um, I can't remember the name of the show, it was an Amazon uh, show um, about the Rams from 2016, sort of when McVay was, was sort of like, you know, getting his feet wet and taking over there. Um, but he brought this up as well. And I, and, and, and feel free to, question, um, I'm just, I'm just asking if you guys saw this oh, okay. because feel free yeah. to, feel free to point this out if you, if you think I'm wrong, but I think that there is something there. That um, you know, that that that, and then Goff just couldn't make the plays, whereas he was making those plays with Cooper Cup in the first half of the season. Yeah, I think that's the against all odds on uh, on Amazon Prime that he's he's probably referring to. That's what it was. Yep. Yeah. One of the biggest things, Robel. We're talking the Robel seventy, the fifth place uh, finisher in the FFPC main event uh, in 2018. Nearly won twenty thousand dollars in his first year playing in high stakes fantasy football out at Planet Hollywood. One of the biggest uh, storylines, I think, is we um, we enter twenty nineteen is what's going on in Pittsburgh. You know, this is an offense that has been elite uh, as you know basically for the last decade with uh, a cast of characters there, and now a couple of those main characters uh, may or may not be Steelers in twenty nineteen. Antonio Brown, 
maybe on the trade block, Le'Veon Bell. We'll get to him later on in the show, but it looks like he won't be a Steeler next year. Do you have any predictions of, of where you see these guys ending up, given that at one point in their careers uh, they were the number one wide receiver and the number one running back taken in fantasy drafts? Where do you see these guys ending up for this season? Man, you know, it's hard to tell on both of those guys. And, you know, even before the season ended, you know, the, the rumor, or at least what I kept reading, was that uh, Bell would be a great fit for the Jets. And with the coaching changes there, I don't know if that still fits. And I think Ford knows where he's going to end up. But interestingly enough, with, with Antonio Brown, I, I I was surprised. I honestly thought that once Arians signed at Tampa Bay, I thought that would be a great fit for him. But that doesn't fit with Evans there. And, you know, Deshaun Jackson's not going to be there anymore, but A.B.'s got to get fed. He's, he's got to have at least 130 targets. So I just don't see how that works with uh, another, you know, with any team that already has a, you know, top five receiver or top ten receiver there. It's hard to tell. And then today I see that A.B.'s going to go back and meet with a management team at Pittsburgh. So who knows? And, I, and I'm not sure of the, of the salary cap uh, ramifications of, you know, timelines and how long he stays with Pittsburgh and what impact that that has on the salary cap there. I just don't think that after all the stuff that's happened over the past couple of weeks, you know, on social media, his comments, you know, what he's posted on Twitter and uh, some of the stuff that happened at the end of the season of him really having a future in Pittsburgh or not. And I would think that he would either, he would want to go somewhere warm weather, Miami, Tampa Bay, uh, being closer to where his hometown is, but, Outside of that, I really don't don't have an idea or a clue about another good spot for him. Obviously, Jacksonville's a good fit too, but we don't know what their direction with quarterback or with uh, you know the, the offensive uh, coordinator situation is there. And with with Bell, Boy, that... I'm sorry. No, go ahead. No, no, I was just gonna say with Bell, I, I think Bell Bell's gonna be one of those guys that he, he's gonna be a huge flyer this year. Uh, you know, one full season off of football, being you know half glass half full means that he's uh, extremely fresh and ready to roll. But at the same time, going to a new offense, new system, new old line, uh, wherever he ends up, Lord knows. And and for some reason, it has all the signs of him ending up in Oakland. For whatever reason, that 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 hmm. just seems right for him to end up somewhere like Oakland. Can you imagine Le'Veon Bell in Oakland and then Antonio Brown ending up in Jacksonville? What a buzzkill for both those guys as as they yeah. try to. But, I mean, and they may not care. I mean, they just may be like, look, I, I want to get paid and I want to go to a place where I'm going to get fed the ball a lot. And clearly if they end up in, in both those places, they would be the focal points of those offenses. No question. Yeah, what do you, what, what do you, yeah, what do you guys think, especially about uh, Antonio Brown? Well, okay, so let's talk about Bronson. I have not – I guess I've wavered on this, but I haven't really picked out a different destination. If you tell me, like, uh, okay, Balky, you got to pick out one team, gun to your head, where is it going to be? I think, and especially as, as Robel, as you, as you mentioned today, Antonio Brown initially refused the meeting. We'll get, we'll get into this later on in the show. But re- initially refused the meeting with, with uh, Steelers owner Art Rooney, and then he decided to meet with them. I think – that he still stays in Pittsburgh and he is not traded and be, because of the cap ramifications there. I just think it bodes well for everybody uh, for him to stay in Pittsburgh. So I could easily see him going to someplace like, like San Francisco or, or, you know, Jacksonville or, or Arizona or what have you. But I think when it comes down to it right now, I'm still saying 
he ends up in Pittsburgh week one. Dave, do you have a feeling on this at all? Probably not a strong one, but do you have any inklings on where Brown will end up playing this season? Uh, I don't think he's going to be in Pittsburgh, but the cap hit is pretty pretty bad. That's why Pittsburgh doesn't really want to do it. But right. I think he's putting yeah. bridges. So, I, yeah, Sam Fran makes sense. I thought he wanted to go to a contender only, so I just don't see him going to Jacksonville. I mean, I don't know if he, if he has much influence on the trade or not, but it, I mean, he's a vocal guy, so I have a feeling he'll kind of get a little bit of what he wants. Right. A little, yeah. Yeah. And we'll see. I mean, there's the, it's a long off season to go, but certainly we'll be paying attention to Antonio Brown and Le'Veon Bell to see yeah, what jerseys they're going to be wearing. According, according to Antonio Brown, he wants to go to a contender that has a crappy first receiver, apparently, which is like the most ridiculous. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. He wants to be the alpha <laughs> dog on a team that's going to win the championship and has no other good receiver. Right. It's like, dude, you're an idiot. Anyway, go ahead. No, but I get I, – Okay, so I totally agree. Create your own NFL right. team that's just missing the one piece. Maybe he wants to go to uh, one of the AAF teams, Dave. <laughs> and they could be contender for the AAF crown there, I mean, no the question. T-Rex team. Yeah, exactly. Oh, my God, can you imagine that? I hope we have a segment on Trent Richardson coming up. Uh, we what don't. Who is the quarterback from Alabama? Blake Sims. Blake Sims is the quarterback for uh, the don't, Trent Richardson don't ask team. Me who's starting for AAF. And, and Antonio Brown. Yeah, I, I won't. I, I would never do that to you. Let's get to some emails here. Metropolis, Illinois, Phil writes in, obviously, Zeke will be taken high, but do you think Amari Cooper or Michael Gallup will pull their ADP weight in 2019? Thanks, Robel. That is from Phil in Metropolis, Illinois. And before you answer that, Robel, I will tell you that Amari Cooper right now in FFPC drafts is going at the 310, so the end of the third round, and then Michael Gallup is uh, currently going at uh, the 1207, so a little, obviously, a lot later uh, yeah. for Michael Gallup right there. Your thoughts on on both Cooper and Gallup in 2019? Man, I, I'm so I'm so excited about Cooper, and uh, this is a hometown this is a hometown uh, vote, but I really like Cooper, uh, especially with him getting a full training camp with the team, and uh, I mean just what what we saw with him coming on board after he moved over from Oakland was incredible, and his chemistry with Dak, and that that's with no tight end, and you know with with the O line the way it was so. I'm really excited about Cooper. I think he's going to over-deliver on that ADP. Michael Gallup, I was a guy that drafted Michael Gallup and was high on Michael Gallup and didn't really get a lot out of it. And uh, it cut him on, on you know, any team that I had him on probably by week four or week five just because I didn't see him getting the production out of it. I don't really anticipate too much. I don't know what, what the gap is there between him and, him and Dak. They just couldn't connect. And then, you know, especially like with, between week week eight and week well, there were two balls, two deep balls, two or three deep balls that were perfect balls, and they just couldn't connect. So there's some disconnect there. Hopefully they, they figure it out. But I think that's, that ADP for uh, Gallup is, uh, is accurate. I just don't see him being a big target, especially for fantasy. Yeah, and, and uh, Michael Gallup, you know, we'll, we'll see because a lot of times, um, you know, the biggest jump a receiver makes is from his rookie year to his uh, his, his uh, sophomore year in the NFL. Yeah. Too. He's going yeah. right around Golden Tate, Emmanuel Sanders, James Washington, who is another player we'll talk about later on in the show, Sterling Shepard, the rookie, Nikhil Harry, uh, and D.D. Westbrook, Zay Jones, Antonio Callaway, all going around that Michael Gallup area. So certainly a lot of flyers uh, flying around. Uh, that uh, 12th round in FFPC best ball drafts right now. Let's go to Drew in Healdsburg, California. He writes, Will Fuller was awesome last season, but is he a danger to fantasy owners coming? Well, I I think in limited time he was. (laughs) Well, he was was great in in those four games. 
But is he a danger yeah. to fantasy owners coming off an ACL knowing that speed is what butters his bread? Thank you for the email, Drew, in Healdsburg, California. Before you answer that, uh, uh, Robel, I will tell you that Will Fuller currently in FFPC drafts is going on average at the 802 right around Sammy Watkins, Robbie Anderson, Marvin Jones area. Your thoughts on Will Fuller as an early eighth round pick this season. Yeah. Will Fuller is one of those guys that I just avoid. I, and I, there's something about him and there's something about that week that he goes off and has two touchdowns, eight catches, you know, 180 yards. And then the next week he, he tears his ACL. It's just, it's happened too many times where he has these hamstring injuries or severe injuries and, and, you know, none of us are ever accurate enough to, to start in the week that, that he has that huge breakout game. And you can't seem to get enough games out of them consistently that, that equate to that production. So I just – I'm terrified of him, and I, I, I typically avoid guys like him. Dave, I know you're never a big Will Fuller fan. Uh, I know Tupacker loves to wait for those eight-catch 150-yard, two-touchdown games and then tries hawking them in our dynasty league that, that we share together. But right. your thoughts on Will Fuller in the eighth round, uh, you know, certainly you're not investing a ton in him, but there is some risk there. Seems expensive, actually, really, for Will Fuller. I mean, he, for, he averaged 15 points a game last year, but he only played one, two, three, four, five, six. He played seven games, and he actually only had, you know, he, he had, out of those seven games, five were reasonably good or better than reasonably good. Right. Three really good games. Two crappy games, and then he missed the rest of the season. I mean, if you combine Will Fuller with QT, and it's because they're both perpetually hurt all the time, and they're you know kind of playing off each other, maybe they'd be good good best ball combo to have. But that's uh that's kind of where I'm at. Two Packer chiming in in the chat room. Fuller is worth two first round picks. Send an offer right now, he said. Or was it one second round pick? <laughs> uh, so that so that's where we're standing at uh, for Will Fuller and okay. Dynasty, no question. We're talking with. Uh, Robel Sabini joining us on the FFPC uh, High Stakes Fantasy Football Hour, the main event, fifth place overall champ, uh, not champ, but fifth place overall winner, just short of $20,000 in his winnings this past year. You've been very gracious with your time tonight. I know it's early, Robel, but can you give us a guy that, that you're probably going to be staying away from in the early rounds of drafts this year? And then conversely, a, a guy that you think is flying under the radar, maybe going in the middle rounds. Uh, that you think uh, is going to be a player that you're targeting to try to get on as many teams as possible this year? You know, this is going to sound crazy because he did so much for me this year with with uh, with my uh, main event team. It was uh, Alvin Kamara. But I'm nervous about what happens with him, especially if Ingram, because Ingram's a free agent. If Ingram's not there, I just don't know what impact that has on the team there. So I'm a little leery about taking him, you know, early first round if I had one of those picks. Uh, that's going to be the, the kind of stay away from guy. And, and, and you know, more than anything else, running backs as a whole, I think the past few seasons we've seen that there's a lot of depth at running back. And, you know, you're able to get running backs later on that are going to kind of help you with your team, mid-tier running backs, a lot more than kind of gambling. There was a, uh, I know, I think in every league last year, Le'Veon Bell was taken in the first round. So, you know, that and, and some other injury issues that we've had every year, whether it's the David Johnsons or, you know, what other running backs it might have been, I think that running backs will get a lot more depth with them. So I think I'm going to be a little bit more uh, uh, passive when it comes to running back picks early on. Uh, and as far as sleepers go, and it, it, he's not a sleeper. I, I think it, it's a 
it's a crime to say that he's a sleeper, but I really like uh, Kittle. I really, from a tight end standpoint, and and I was a bit because I had Kelsey on all my other teams, and uh, on my main event team, I ended up with Doyle, and I was every week upset with myself and just sitting there thinking, you know, why did I take Doyle? Why did I take Doyle? Especially with Ebron waking up finally uh, after all those years in uh, Detroit, not doing much. Uh, I think Kittle's going to have another big season, especially with them kind of shoring up from their injuries in uh, San Francisco. And, you know, especially if they get somebody like uh, Antonio Brown or another stud receiver there, I think all that's going to do is open things up for Kittle even more. Iowa tight ends, Dave. It's 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 insane. There's two more of them coming. Two in the more NFL. of them coming in the NFL. Joining George Kittle, who's going at the 207 in FFPC drafts right now, is the third tight end off the board. Wow, it's what a jump he has made over the last year. It's it's been crazy, and what a jump Rovell 70 has made uh, up the uh, the FFPC main event leaderboard. Good chunk of change coming his way, Dave. Yes, sir. Final question. So, by the way, just before I ask this. The main event grand prize is half a million dollars. Half million. And there's no, well, there is a limit on how many teams you can buy, but. Officially. Anyway, so how do you plan on spending the 20000 bucks you won in the main event this season? How do I plan to spend the money? Yes, sir. We asked the so personal questions here. We don't want to make you cry yeah. like Barbara Walters. Right, yeah. <laughs> All right, so this is, this, is, this is going to probably sound very corny and boring, but uh, invest most of it. And, uh, Set aside the rest. Of, uh, set aside some of it to take care of my uh, FFPC main event dues for next season, and then uh, nice. take the wife and the kids. Take the wife and the kids on a vacation. That's fantastic. Hey, that's smart. That's, that, that's the way to do it. That's investing most of it in uh, orange juice futures. Yes, or pork belly, <laughs> no. as it were. No question. Is this, is this trading yeah, places? exactly. You know it, my friend. Yes, <laughs> feeling good, looking good uh, on the show tonight, no question. Robel 70, the FFPC main event, fifth place finisher from 2018. Congrats on uh, on the success you had last year. What you know, an awesome first year, an awesome debut for you. I'm sure uh, even better things are in store for you in 2019. Best of luck to you in all your leagues this year. Thanks so much for joining the show tonight, Robel. Really appreciate it. Thanks, guys. I appreciate it. You all take care. We'll see you in Vegas. You know it. The see you, Vegas. Thanks, guys. You bet. Robel70, ladies and gentlemen. Follow him on Twitter at R70. And uh, see him out in Planet Hollywood in Las Vegas this coming September when he uh, tries to do even better than fifth place overall. What's the team cap this year? 2,400 teams in the main event? Yep. And so how many – so what, what's the rule of how many teams you could have total in it? I think it's 3%, so is that 72 using my... All right, 3%. Wonder, I'm going to stop it there. My Gerzak Wonder Math. Yeah. <laughs> is that what it's called? Yeah. Fantastic. I wonder if I get it right. Yeah, exactly. I get it, yeah. On the dartboard, a triple 24 is a 72. We had last year, and, and just to give you a little bit more background uh, on Robel, he had one high-stakes team last year, um, and that was his main event team. Ended up finishing fifth overall. For anybody out there who's thinking, like, oh, you know, all, all these guys are sharks and, and they've been playing for forever and they have a zillion teams. Well, this is example one of you, you can be a, a rookie owner, you can have one team, and you can turn it into five figures. Um, well, if you have one team, you really do a not, you can do a great job managing the waiver wire. And that, that's just something a person who has like 30, 40, 50 managed teams or even way more, which a lot of players, some players do. 
uh, when they have a bunch of football guys teams as well. They just can't manage as efficiently right. all those teams. And David Hubbard has said that I, I know when he was on the uh, the road of his high stakes lowdown with me, he said like, you know. Uh, people say I have this huge advantage. Well, if you only have one team, you better be babying that team to the hilt because that, that is your only team. And when you can do that, that is an advantage over these teams that are these players that have multiple teams. Right. Uh, they, they just, they don't have it. You know, the, the great equalizer, Dave, there's 24 hours a day, seven days a week for everyone. Okay. There's That's only right. so much time you can dedicate to it. And, uh, and Robel was uh, example one, example a exhibit a, uh, of how you can uh, really turn this into uh, into something here. All right, so our quick show is now 10 minutes later. Oh, for God's sake. All right, let's keep going. I want to thank football guys, Roto World and Rob, for tonight's rundown. Dave has a hot date. we got to get going here no, tonight. No, we're fine. Uh, no, I'm just I'm, – we're, we're having some fun here tonight. We're having fun. Uh, the Browns, Cleveland Browns, have signed Kareem Hunt, formerly of the Chiefs, to Remember a – this news all sucks. So to, worry about it. to a one-year deal. I, people want to get your opinion. We'll rush through all this. We don't have to rush. We can rush through some of it. We, we can't rush through all of it. Right. Now, it, it, to me, Dave, this caught me off, uh, off guard that, that here in February of 2019, Kareem Hunt is already signed. Uh, Brown, I heard John Dorsey call and he goes, hey, big boy. Yeah, he's like, ah, oh, big boy. <laughs> you want to play for the Browns? play for the Browns. <laughs> John Dorsey uh, is one of the first people responsible who actually drafted Kareem Hunt when he was back in Kansas City. Now, this is kind of a weird landing spot because Nick Chubb really didn't get turned on to the Browns' lead back job until halfway through the season. He was awesome after that. I think he finished as running back 12. He finished four yards short of a 1,000-yard season. And this is also the same team that extended Duke Johnson for a few years last summer as well. Now, we look at this situation in Cleveland – Kareem Hunt is probably going to be suspended this seat. Well, he will be suspended anywhere. I would say, I think the safe bet is anywhere from eight to 16 games, probably in the eight to 12 range. Really? Well, you don't think so? I mean, I think four to six is possible. I think it's going to be more than that. Yeah. I, that's, that's what's known as an opinion. I have a different. Okay. Opinion. Can you, so can, I, you know, can you enlighten us why you think it's four to why four to six for you is more likely than eight to 12? So, it's, so the, it's the domestic violence policy. Correct. Wait, I think it's a minimum. Is it six game minimum? Six. Yeah. So why not six? Why should it be eight to twelve? Well, it's a little bit different because this was caught on tape. You know that. You know, if I was his defense counsel, I would say, look, yes, it was caught on tape, but just because it was caught on tape, if you look at it, it wasn't really comparatively bad to you know, other incidents where you may not have caught it on tape, but you know it was actually worse because you see these incidents. Like Greg Hardy like, throwing a woman right, onto a exactly. bed full of guns. Yeah, you have him on tape as like failing effectively, failing to kick her properly or whatever. I mean, not saying proper, there's no proper way to have a kick anyway. I'm just saying, not even like doing any damage, but obviously just making a couple bad decisions. I'm not trying to defend him. I'm just saying. I understand. That it's like, it's not like, as his defense counsel, I think I could make some good case, some good, a good argument. Now, that it, now Dave, I'm going to tell you this right now. I think that's a good argument. I hear you. <laughs> and quite frankly, I happen to subscribe to a lot of what you're saying. That said. The judge, jury, and executioner with the red hair getting $40 million a year. Right. Public perception and and actually seeing this on camera is massive, and I and, and I think that is what is going to cause Nick Chubb, or excuse me, Kareem Hunt, to be suspended for more than half the season. Now let's look at it from both both perspectives. Okay, go ahead. Number five on. I think. Oh, okay. Yeah, let's eight and a half or fewer games. Um. All right, I got five on Kareem Hunt being suspended. Eight and a half. Yeah, I, if I eight, I win. You're the one who says 12 to 16. You, you just said 4 to 6. 
Yeah, but it's six is like the minimum. Uh, this is ridiculous. So what? I, you want, I, you want I, no, 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 no. Dave, I'm going to give you eight now. <laughs> you want eight as a push? I have no, 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 no. I have Kareem Hunt getting you're so, you're getting so sus, getting. Sus, sus, I don't think so. That's, I, that was exactly what you said. I don't think so. Was I don't think confident. so. Yeah, I, that's fairly confident. I have Kareem Hunt getting suspended more than eight and a half games this year, and I have five on it. I got five, and I'll take eight and a half or less. I got five on it. We're, we're, yeah, we're, we're talking about full games. It's fewer. All right. All right. So 8.5 for Kareem Hunt. That is one of my weaknesses in general, the fewer or lesser. That's, that's something that I, uh, I learned when I was at J School, Dave. Uh, one of the things that uh, that I learned there. The Northwestern School of uh, Journalism. Mm-hmm. Absolutely not. University of uh, Wisconsin Oshkosh College of Journalism. And it's accredited, actually a pretty an accredited school. institution. By the way, I'll just say this. How many schools are accredited? Like eighteen hundred. I don't know. I'll say this. Um, the my the guy who was the department chair uh, at the time I was at the J School yeah. was a uh, copy editor for the New York Times. Nice. He, was, he was doing both. Um, Wasn't my former roommate Troy Perkins. Uh, no, it was not. He was in the RTF program. Oh, right. He now teaches at Southern Methodist University. Um, yes. Uh, Sarah Spain, many of you are familiar with her work on ESPN, uh, ESPNW. She's on uh, Around the Horn quite a bit. What's uh, ESPNW? ESPN Women. Seriously? Uh, yes, don't laugh at that. No, I'm just saying it's kind of like ESPN The Ocho. I mean, like, I'm dodgeball. She I is, think they have ESPN Elf or Latino. She is married to a University of Wisconsin oh, journalism. Wow. Um, graduate. And, okay, okay. I'm going to move on from this because clearly you do not respect it at all. Um, you, are you familiar with the website Politico? Yeah, I go there once in a while. All right. That, that was founded by Jim Vanderhei, a University of Wisconsin Oshkosh College of Journalism graduate. You, know, you guys actually have, there's been a lot of success out of that school. I like to give you crap. Yeah. It's a very prestigious school. And then you have Eric Falkman. Yeah, better than all those clowns. I was just talking about... Um, you do the show with Leo and Baltimore. Right, but that's not journalism. Um, there yeah. was... Um, it's I, audio journalism. I was talking with somebody, oh, my boss at, at the radio station, who was also a UWO graduate, and I said, you know, the, the, the College of Journalism at UWO moved from the CLO, um, uh, whatever it was, uh, center, that, where they have classes there, CLO. Sure. You yeah. know what I'm talking about, obviously. <laughs> they moved across the street when they built this behemoth... Uh, um, uh, Res, uh, not residence hall, but like, um, you know, classroom building, whatever you call that, uh, Sage. And they moved, the, you know, everything. Yeah, the business. Yeah, the, yeah. So they moved everything from there to there. And there was a bulletin board, like, sort of keep you up to date on what's going on with the College of Journalism. And my picture was up at CLO when I was there. And then I graduated. And it was still up there. And then when they moved, I found out. That, it, that my picture moved so from right. building to building, and it's still up there, which was it's as like, of like a year or so. The Hall of Fame. Yeah, I don't know if it's still You should still put it there. back up there if it gets taken up. Yeah, I, mean, I probably could. It's I think actually, I'm going to start calling myself an audio journalist. It's actually at the radio station. My, fo- my photo's still up there as well. Is anyway, it, go ahead. I'm going to call myself an audio you're journalist. You're an audio, uh, you're not an audio journalist. Yeah, you're, I, you're, more I, of an audio, you're more of an audio analyst. Journalists, I right. think, like tell a story, and you're more critiquing stories, I think is what we do on this show. That's true. Actually, what do they call those? Like, for example, on Fox News, those the guys who do the late night shows like Tucker Carlson and whatnot, yeah. they're not considered news people. I think they're some of some of them. Well, are. No, but they're not because it's a, it's an opinion show. What do they call that? Is that just a commentator or opinion? Yeah, show? A commentator. I, I think is 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 accurate. Yeah, right. Whatever. All right, so let's delve yeah, in. Let's let's delve into this Nick Chubb Kareem Hunt thing here. Oh yeah, Let, that's right. Let's get into um, let's get into your scenario here. Let's say Kareem Hunt is suspended between four and six games. 
where would you take Nick Chubb then in, in drafts if you're selecting him? In a redraft? Or? In a redraft. Strictly redraft. Um, I don't even know where he's going right now. I can so tell you he is, second, his, his ADP is the 203. Okay, so I guess I'd take him a little later than his ADP. Okay. He's, he's, he, is, he still is kind of a two-down back. I mean, I like him. I, he did really well. did catch year. passes last year. He did catch some passes. passes. Can, I, can I offer this to you? Sure. What, what about this scenario? Do you remember the Mar, uh, Alvin Kamara, Mark Ingram situation last year? Where Ingram was suspended the first four games, and Alvin Kamara, I think his usage rate was 150%, 160%, something like that. The Saints used them a ton, is my point, uh, because they knew they, that Mark Ingram would come back in week five or week six or what have you. Could we see something similar where the Browns ride Nick Chubb hard for the first month and a half of the season and then maybe give him a reprieve and start giving Kareem Hunt five to ten touches a game after that? It's fine. I mean, I, I do think Chubb is still the alpha dog. And you're right, he did catch some passes. He got 20 for 149 and two touchdowns with all of his catches coming in week eight or later. So one could extrapolate that for like maybe 35 for 304 touchdowns. That's uh, that seems reasonable. That's decent yeah. for like a, you know, whatever you call it. Maybe he loses a little bit to Hunt. I wouldn't worry all that much about Kareem Hunt. To right. Be honest with you. All right. There's now, always a chance that Hunt totally flakes out, too. This guy, he did have a couple of like aggressions and whatever issues before this happened. So he, you know, he's on that second level flake thing for me. So right. Wow, second level. Second or first. I mean, he's okay. Wow, first level. That's that's pretty bad. Yeah. First level though is you're almost already out of the NFL. All so right. Second level. So this is going to be a good question I'm about to ask you, Dave. What? Uh, first of all, a two part question. Number one, where would you take Kareem Hunt in drafts right now? You know, I think that someone out of the 12 teams in whatever league I'm drafting in will take Kareem Hunt before I will because of the name recognition. So okay. I don't really think I'm gonna have to worry too much about where I'm gonna take him. Uh, so right now, I'll, I would just wait for the ADP, and I would look at him maybe a round or two after whatever that ends up uh, being. Okay. So, I don't know, 13th, 15th. So, like you're that. taking him in the 13th? He's probably going to gonna move up to, like, the 10th or 8th or something. You're, you're saying between the 13th and 15th is where you would take him? At this, with just ballparking it right now. Ballparking. I'm guessing I'm, guessing right. I'm late. All right. right. Okay. Now, so by that – you know Yes, I do, and I'm going to vote to tell you. Um, now, you are saying by that rationale he's probably going in, like, the 10th, 11th round, Right. Is that what you're guessing? In the last week, I would guess he's gone up above that. But yeah. I only have ADP for the entire month of February, which All is right. two weeks. All right, go ahead. Kareem Hunt's ADP currently in the FFPC, the 507. Oh, he's so he's The smoked. 507. I almost, I almost swore there. As early as the 310, Dave, he has gone as late as the 901. Which means where you thought he was going. I think some of that ADP though is due to people not knowing where Hunt landed, and this is not a good landing spot for him. I think it drops actually. It's not great. I mean, you look at some of these players that are going after him: James White, Mark Ingram, Tevin Coleman, Jordan Howard, yeah, Kenyon Drake. I think this the ADP is incorrect for this particular player. Told I cannot. I don't know how you can invest a mid fifth round pick. You can't. I mean, I think now he's going to be going. It's probably on the seventh eighth line. Okay, so we'll we'll keep you uh, posted on on you know. How that changes now that everybody kind of knows he's in Cleveland. Moving on. Let's go to the next one. All right. Updating an earlier report on rotoworld.com. Antonio oh Brown. No more Antonio Brown crap. Will, in fact, meet with Steelers owner Art Rooney to discuss his standing with the team. Now, originally, Ian Rappaport said that Brown decided he was not going to meet with Art Rooney, but he had a change of heart. Antonio Brown obviously already requested a trade with the Steelers earlier this week uh, with, you know, what happened with Ben Roethlisberger and him. Dave, you have already said you don't believe that he will be back in Pittsburgh this season. However, the talent is still there. 
you got to believe he's quarterback proof to a certain degree. Where would you take him in drafts right now? If you were drafting in February and you don't know where he's going to be, where would you select him? Um, where would you start looking at him? Late second. Late second. Now I can tell you right now, I'm Antonio sure Antonio Brown's ADP is two oh nine. Yeah. Okay. But now, or excuse me, two oh eight. That's ahead of Juju Smith-Schuster and Odell Beckham. That's, that's ridiculous that he's ahead of Juju and even Odell Beckham, who I'm not, as you know, a big fan of. Right. And Adam Thielen. He's ahead of Adam Thielen. I'd rather have Thielen. I think Thielen. Thielen's, like, it, Thielen's like getting it's like a, he's like a two-year CD with a 3% interest rate. He's a risk-free pick, almost. Well, almost, yeah, yeah, almost, almost. Yeah. He's not, but I mean, I just feel like he's getting targets. I mean, wow. Anyway. I mean, I get it. Antonio Brown, he can have 120 catches. Yeah. But... If he's moving to a different team, he's not going to get 120 catches. The right. odds of that, he could, again, move to the Jaguars and get 75 off of you know, a terrible quarterback play. You get more than 75. What if they sign Fultz? No, all of a sudden you're not talking about quarter, terrible quarterback play anymore. Yeah, I mean, you're, you're fitting a lot of you know, round pegs in the square. That's true. Players. That's a good point. All right. So more to come on, on Antonio Brown, and, and this is all we know right now. Maybe what if they sign you up? Well, the Giants would have to release him first. And Doug Maybe the Broncos will sign him, and then Flacco will be the quarterback. Uh, I guess maybe we'll see what happens. <laughs> By the way, you know Mike Francesa. Uh, have you, Mike Francesa yeah. from from some New York sports talks. Have you paid attention to some of the stuff that this guy has said? I was, I mean, I was saying something. Dave, it is hilarious. Okay, yeah. uh, like he's uh, funny. Five or no, unintentionally funny. Five or six months ago, he was talking about. He's like, and and he, I don't know how he got on the subject. Like, I think sports betting was was the topic. He's like. And, and here's, here's what, what's going to happen. What you have is, is these, you, you're going to have a, a bunch of guys getting together. Okay, uh, 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 you know, you just pick players. Uh, you, you pick like a quarterback, two running backs, a couple of receivers, a tight end, and, and you just pick whoever. And whoever of those players that you pick, whoever gets the highest, you know, score of all the stats, you, you, you know, that's the team that wins. And you'll have – half million million dollar prizes for something like this so then like twitter just lit up like omg mike francesa thinks he just invented dfs <laughs> uh, and it was hilarious so the thing that he did well, more importantly he's not a fantasy sport well no yeah but you're right um, <laughs> um but then he said he was talking he was the same guy who said like he couldn't believe todd Gurley and a and a referee were switching jerseys before the game, when that was proven to be like you know just that was like a, hoax a total hoax, yeah. yeah, and it's like oh yeah, they got me on that one or whatever. Um, so then I can't remember how I how he got on the subject, of Mike Francesa. He, he he said something uh, similarly dopey this week that I I, I couldn't believe. I, I ah, damn it, I can't believe I've got. <laughs> was it about Levy and Bell? No, it wasn't about Levy and Bell. That's that's the thing that annoys me. That's all right. That was actually pretty funny. If I remembered, I'll let you know. Thanks. All indications are the Steelers plan to use the transition tag on free agent Le'Veon Bell, according to Pittsburgh Post-Gazette. Now, the first day that they can apply this transition tag is Tuesday. Now, if this happens, according to uh, beat reporter Jerry Dulek, uh, the Steelers would not consider actually keeping Bell. So Le'Veon Bell would have to sign the tag. They would match the offer sheet from another team sending him the offer, and then they would trade Le'Veon Bell for compensation. So I guess this kind of would help Le'Veon Bell sign with who he wants. But this seems really, really bizarre, um, and, and this story just gets more and more confusing. The fantasy gist I get for people who are drafting in February right now, 
my advice and take it for, you know, with a grain of salt, find somebody else to take at the end of the first round. I, I, I'm just not comfortable with this situation. <laughs> Going at the 111 right now, Dave. It's a little early. It's a little early. But Bell is really a great quality player. And I, he's still in his prime. Um, yeah, man, it's, it's tough. I, I, I just really think, I think that Bell is going to be in the high demand. I think he's going to find a decent fit. I just, for, for whatever reason, I feel like Bell, I, I, I actually don't mind getting on the Bell bandwagon a little bit. 111 is pretty early, though. Like, so, like you said, Chubb was a 203, right? Yeah. Um, I think I might still take Bell over Chubb. You know, they're, you know, I mean, granted, the ADP dictates that. Um, I think we played this last week, but what about Le'Veon Bell or David Johnson? I would take Johnson. I, okay. Le'Veon I'd Bell. Think, I don't remember what. I, mean, I, I know. Else no, that's fine. Well, I, these things are fluid. They're not stationary. Le'Veon Bell or Joe Mixon? I would take Bell. 111. Both these guys have the same ADP. Le'Veon Bell or James Conner? Um, I would probably take Connor, make sure he gets Samuel. I would too. And then I'm betting on the Steelers offense. You know, and as long as you're on the subject, I'll tell you four non-running backs that are going right behind Le'Veon Bell in drafts right now, and I think I might rather draft – you know what? I'll say this right now. I would draft all of them in FFPC over Le'Veon Bell. Devontae Adams, Michael Thomas, Tyree Kill, and Zach Ertz. Yeah, I could, I could see all that, actually. Yeah. Those okay. guys are all nice picks. Right? And then it's Nick Chubb right after that. Yeah. By the way, I remember my Mike Francesa thing why I'm bringing this up. You know, we talked to the we we didn't really bring it up on the show, but this Joe Flacco trade to Denver, uh, uh, he Francesca said, "Listen, John Elway is one of the greatest quarterbacks uh, in NFL history. When this guy grabs a quarterback, you pay attention." Holy yes, I do it, because he sucks. He's terrible. He's like the worst QB evaluator of all time. Paxton Lynch, Brock Osweiler, Case Keenum. You pay attention because you want to know who to stay away from fantasy. And this is another one. I'm not excited about Joe Flacco. You know, as long as they're talking about it right now, if Joe Flacco is the quarterback for Denver next year, which it seems like he will be, I'm not – first of all, I wasn't excited about Emmanuel Sanders coming off that Achilles anyway. But Deshaun Hamilton and Cortland Sutton, yuck and yuck. Yeah, I mean, Sutton's got some upside, but I hear you. I mean, I, I get it. I, I can't get excited about any of that. I, yeah. I feel like that, that offense is going to be Royce Freeman and Philip Lindsay to a certain extent. You know, it's, you know, Elliot reminds me of – Ron Wolf once said something. Former Packers GM, Ron sure. Wolf said – Hall of Famer. Yeah, NFL Hall of Famer. was telling I think it was a book he wrote. I think I read it. It was something he said, but he said that uh, whoever it is, coaches, GMs, whatever, they become GMs. These former players or whatever, and, or they move to a different position, and then they look at players that they were associated with that they had on their team before, and they always try to recruit them over, bring them over, oh, bring them over this guy. I had him like three, four years ago. John Gruden. Yeah, and it's, it's not the same player. You right. know, it's not. So you're not bringing over the same player. So they have this. This mental block, it's an issue that, and I swear Elway has that same issue. He just feels like because he was a quarterback, he knows good quarterbacks, and he just is going to be able to always be right and maybe coach them up to be more accurate or whatever. With Flacco, it's like Flacco is a very known commodity, and like they were saying on NFL Network, they were saying Case Keenum is not any worse or better probably than Flacco, so right. he really do it. Yeah, I, and, and three more years left on Joe Flacco's deal, by the way. Un- unbelievable. He did get the Peyton Manning call right, but remember when they won the Super Bowl with Peyton Manning set that record, which Patrick Mahomes broke or tied this year. I can't remember what it was. Um, but you have. Um, but that was actually that was they had that miracle game too, right? Wasn't it? They were like a two percent chance to win. Was it against Baltimore? Uh, maybe. 
there was a game where they should have lost in the playoffs, and they they well, lost. that's when Baltimore beat Denver on that miracle. Remember that was that long well, pass that was from Flacco. Okay, that was a different yeah different season than obviously. Well, but my point is like okay, so you got the Peyton Manning thing right, but remember Peyton Manning when they won the Super Bowl, he was he did nothing. Yeah, it was awful. Right. I mean, it was the defense that won that. Uh, Draft uh, Network's uh, John Ledyard called Alabama running back Josh Jacobs, quote, the toughest player he has watched for the 2019 NFL Draft. Uh, Ledyard's story, you can read this on thedraftnetwork.com. He attached a video of Josh Jacobs, who stands at 5'10", 216 pounds, trucking a defensive back when Jacobs could have run out of bounds, chose to run over the dude uh, instead. He also has the finesse to miss people as well. And uh, Jacobs can catch the ball out of the backfield, Dave. And I've already seen this guy. I know Daniel Jeremiah had Josh Jacobs going fifth overall to, to Tampa. But if this guy is a first-round pick in the NFL draft, the fact that he's a running back, the fact that he's from Alabama, anybody who has the one-on-one in rookie drafts has to seriously consider him if he does get drafted that high. Absolutely. If he's a pass-catching back, like he says, and he's got the right – so 5'10", 216 is a pretty good size, actually. It's a good BMI. Uh I haven't done a ton of research on Jacobs. I will be watching a ton of film coming up. And uh, but yeah, I, I I think that makes a lot of sense. You have to trust you have to trust the NFL draft evaluators. If he's getting taken anywhere in the first twenty, I mean thirty picks as a running back, and you know if he's in the first round, yeah, you got to look at it for one one for sure. Yeah, no question. All right, let's get it. Go ahead. The toughest player in this NFL draft has to be DK Metcalf. Have you seen his pictures on Instagram, yeah. Balky? He looks like he should be wrestling in WWE already. There was a uh, shot of a bunch of uh, prospects that were all working out at the same gym. I don't know where. They all had their shirts off, and everybody looked cut up. DK Metcalf looked like – I mean, like, if I'm the NFL and I see that, I'm like, I'm giving that dude a drug test every day. <laughs> I mean, he looked like – like, He looked like a ripped version of Thanos. Yes. Right? Like Thanos probably been like, you know, if he was chasing after all those Infinity Stones. And by the way, happy birthday to Kern Reeve, I should mention today, who is celebrating a birthday, uh, our, our resident Infinity Stones expert on the show. <laughs> if Thanos is going after the Infinity Stones and he sees DK Metcalf holding the Soul Stone, he's like, you know what, I'm good. I, I don't need to destroy half the universe. Uh, it's it's not worth caught, it. I'm glad I understood half that. But... I, I think you understood the important half. Uh, DK Metcalf, the receiver from Ole Miss, who is expected to be uh, a first-round pick I, I, by many people, uh, we'll be paying attention and we'll talk more about him as the rookie drafts come uh, closer and closer. But certainly Metcalf. Uh, Injury issues, low poor production, but he built like an Adonis. He is an Adonis. Say. He is an Adonis, no <laughs> question. Um, let's get into how the quarterbacks finished in 2018, Dave. This is something that sort of signifies the, the end of the, of the season for us here on this show as we'll take a position-by-position position look each week here, and we'll start off with the quarterbacks. And it, it starts and it ends, really, with Patrick Mahomes. 473 fantasy points from weeks 1 through 16 last year. That was 63 points ahead of the second-place finisher, Ben Roethlisberger. He averaged 31.5 a game. I think the question that people want to know is, when is the right time to take Patrick Mahomes in drafts. You are a guy who's never been want to take a uh, quarterback early in drafts. What about Mahomes? Where would you start looking at him? When he scored so many points as a quarterback, I, you know, the whole regression of the mean thing is a, is a thing. Um, you know, but high-stakes players do let guys like Mahomes go, and they will let him drop and drop and drop. 
I'd look at him in the third or fourth round, and I actually think people, you know, if you're a person that doesn't play high space, you'll laugh and be like, ha, 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 he's going in the first and second round, but not in FFPC drafts. He's probably going in the third round. Where is it? Do we have his ADP? Well, I do. Um, he's actually he's going at the 209, 209 in FFPC drafts right, right. now. So that, now I mean, to me, that's, that two, really does seem early. To your point, I expect that ADP to fall as, as, as the summer goes on uh, and so forth. But, yeah, right now at the 209, he's gone as high as the 103, yikes, and fallen as far as the 404. As far as ADP goes, the next closest quarterback is Aaron Rodgers going at the 604. So a large gap between QB1 and QB2. But even, even when we talk about quarterbacks that go what we call, quote-unquote, early, you're looking at fourth and fifth round picks a lot of times. It was like, I know it's been Andrew Locke, it's been Rodgers, it's been Wilson, whoever. They almost invariably do not meet those expectations. And that's when they're fourth and fifth round picks. So now Mahomes, who scored 495. I mean, if you look at the number 12 QB, that was actually Russell Wilson. He scored 351. I think I'm through week 17, so I shouldn't be, but whatever. 340 through week 16. So it's, so it's about 140 point difference from yep. 1 to 12. That's a, that's a massive difference. It really is. It's, worth, it's worthy of being a pick in the first, second, third round. But he would have to replicate that. And it's just so, so tough to do that. Right. Um, even though, you know, if you take away what he did this past year, on a, you know, in a vacuum, a second-year quarterback going into the third year will generally still get better. A right. third-year going to fourth year will get better. So he should, I guess, technically get better. Um, so that's kind of scary in its own right. Right. Uh, number two on this list, Ben Roethlisberger. I don't expect him to finish second on By this the way, list I mean, we should, year. you know, I know we tell some of ourselves once in a while, but we were talking about Big Ben. Like, hey, Big Ben, he's the guy you should always take because he's the guy who throws for 450 yards and you're always pissed when you're playing against him. Yep. So why don't, how about have him on your team? So he throws for 450 and four touchdowns and your, and your opponent's pissed at you. Right, yep. So this is exactly the way you take Big Ben. I mean, he had a bunch of huge weeks. He actually didn't kill it in the, in the later weeks, except for week 16, 33.4 fantasy points. Boom, he killed it for you when you really needed it. And you know what's crazy? He is going as the QB 11 right now. Well, at, I mean, once again, even with Antonio At the Brown's 907. Going, yeah, even if Brown's gone, Connor's a good pass catching back. Jalen Samuels is a good substitute pass catching back. Uh, you're going to have Juju. Juju's fantastic. I would think someone's going to emerge there. And then you have James Washington. I, you know, I, I, I love Big Ben again. I will say this, Dave. I know it's different positions, but Ben Roethlisberger, dude, he's put up 410 fantasy points last year for owners. Going as the uh, 907 in drafts right now, two players going at the 906, which is one spot ahead of Roethlisberger, Marvin Jones and Chris Herndon. <laughs> Marvin Jones and Chris Herndon. And I like Chris Herndon, but I mean, good gracious. Yep. Uh, moving on, Matt, Matt Ryan was a little bit of a surprise to see him at three. No surprise at, with Andrew Luck at four. Uh, you know, he was a guy who had a great bounce-back season, and I think that uh, I'm much more comfortable taking him this year. However, I won't get him because he is still going super early in drafts at the 6.05. Moving on to Deshaun Watson, Aaron Rodgers. Let me bring up uh, – Go ahead. I was just going to say, um, you know, I think – okay, so here's what happened with Matt Ryan. I, I think this warrants a little discussion because 2015, you know, he's, he's always been a 4,500-yard type quarterback. Yeah. I mean, he's thrown for 20 – let me just run through this. 20. Okay. 2011, he had 29 touchdowns, then 32, 26, 28. Then, okay, now it's 2015. Now this is like the recency bias coming in, right? Mm-hmm. He had 45-91 on 21 touchdowns. So I remember going into 2016, everybody was like, oh, Ryan's crap, and he was going late. 
So Ryan in that year threw for 4,944 yards and 38 touchdowns. Is that his MVP year? He won the MVP that year? I think so, whatever. So the point is then, he, the year after that, he was going pretty high, and that's when he had 4,095 yards and 20 touchdowns. So he had a crappy year. And then so everyone, everyone's getting whipsawed on Matt Ryan. And so like last year, remember Ryan went all the way back. This is exactly what I'm talking about. He went all the way back to like a 13th round pick, and then he killed it again like he did yep. in 2016. So now the question is, is Matt Ryan going to go back to the 4,100 yards and 20 touchdowns, or is he going to be a 4,900-yard quarterback and uh, 35 touchdowns? I actually think Ryan is going to be the good Matt Ryan. Okay. And you saw it. You, actually, you know, I always rip on Julio Jones, but they actually got Julio Jones involved. And he scored touchdowns late in the year, Buck. I don't right. know what happened. Somebody actually turned on the play and they said, hey, this guy's 6'4", 230. We should throw it to him in the red zone. And uh, he scored a bunch of touchdowns. I think Matt Ryan's going to have a great year. And I think where's he being drafted right now? Where's he goes at the 8 10. That's not a bad value for him either. I like that. I like Matt Ryan. Uh, Matt Ryan did, did, in fact, win the 2016 NFL MVP. Let's do a quick would you rather with Matt Ryan. Matt Ryan or Jared Goff? Uh, I'll take Ryan. I agree. Matt Ryan or Drew Brees? No, I got to go Brees. I would still go Ryan. Matt Ryan Interesting. or uh, Matt Ryan or Baker Mayfield? Ryan. Yeah, Matt Ryan. And then uh, <laughs> Matt Ryan or Jameis Winston? Ryan, for sure. Here's a tough one. Matt Ryan or Ben Roethlisberger? I know. That is a tough one. I'm glad you're asking. Yep. Um, you know, I'm going to go Ryan. And the reason is this actually does go to the receivers. You have Ridley and you have Julio, and that's guaranteed. And, and it could be – Ridley's going to be better this year. could be Juju Smith-Schuster and James Washington in Pittsburgh, for all we know. Yeah, it could be. And you still, I think he still has to there. I don't think he's going anywhere. And you have Cooper. And Devonta Freeman might actually be healthy this year. Hopefully. Right. Aaron Rodgers uh, did not have a good uh, 2018 season, Dave. He somehow still finished his QB6. He's going as QB2 in drafts right now. Your thoughts on Aaron Rodgers as he undergoes a, a new coaching change uh, in Green Bay this year? You know, I, I have a tough time drafting Rodgers in general, but if he falls far enough, again, if he fell a couple rounds past his ADP, I would take him, but I wouldn't take him at his ADP. <clears throat> uh, yeah, I'm totally on board with that. And, and this just one of these days, years, Aaron Rodgers' ADP is going to catch up with where I'm comfortable taking quarterback. hasn't happened yet. Kirk Cousins finished as QB9 last year, Dave. And the reason I bring this up is because he is being drafted as QB19 right now. Wow, that's cheap. At the 10-10 behind such luminaries as Jimmy Garoppolo, Lamar Jackson, and one Tom Brady. And Mitchell Trubisky, by the way, who is going one spot ahead of Tom Brady in drafts. Yeah, you know, there's so many, there's so many quarterback options. That's the reason right there why you don't take Rodgers in the fifth or sixth. You know, if you're taking... Ryan or Big Ben in the eighth, ninth, tenth, and at least it's like you're not killing, you're not risking too much because you would have taken one the round or two later. Right. Anyway, back to uh, Cousins. Where's he going? The ten, eleven? Ten, ten. You know, when you say nineteen, it sounds like it's way, way late, but it's actually only a round or two later than Big Ben. It sounds about right for him, actually. Uh, the next three guys I'm very excited about taking this year. I probably given where they're going, I probably won't get two of them, but I bet I get one of them as my starting quarterback, Philip Rivers. As the QB, excuse me, Cam Newton as QB ten, Philip Rivers as QB eleven, Russell Wilson as QB twelve. Those guys all have a lot of upside for where they finished last year. And then I look at where they're going in drafts right now, Dave. And it's uh, Tom Brady not going until the tenth round. It is um, uh, Philip Rivers. Oh my God, Philip Rivers not going until I passed him up until the nine twelve. So almost the tenth round. And then the other guy. Uh, Cam Newton going in drafts right now at uh, the 10.05. So you can get all three of those guys at the end of the ninth or as late as the mid-10th. 
Um, unless they fall, I'm kind of fading Brady and fading Rivers, and I'm looking at taking Cam. And Cam's coming off the so- shoulder surgery. Cam has way more upside than those two guys. Yep. Rivers doesn't score more than 26 fantasy points ever. He, it, what, what is he? What is, let me just look. Uh, okay, week one, he did score 35. Right. After that, he scored 27 in week 11 and 26.9 in week. So he scores like, like 27 is his max. And it's, not, it's fine. Right. He does have some 15-point weeks and some crappy weeks once. Right, yeah. And Brady, they're evolving to more of a, a rushing offense. I think Brady kind of keeps on falling, and he's going the wrong direction. And Rivers, too, uh, it's age-based a little bit. Brady averaged 21.467. Rivers averaged 22.7. Cam averaged 24.4. That's a big, that is a big difference, actually. It's a couple points. Uh, I'll take Cam. I, I think Cam's going to have a great season, actually, coming back off that injury. Because they said the surgery went well, and he, they said he's looking good. Moving on past that, some younger guys that finished um, a little bit lower uh, than than what we expect them to finish this year. Uh, you have Mitchell Trubisky at QB 15. You have Derek Carr, QB 17, and Baker Mayfield at QB 18. If you go by um, average points uh, per game, uh, Baker Mayfield is threatening to be a top 12 quarterback. I like him quite a bit this year. Derek Carr, I think the journey uh, jury's still out on it, although I'm a little bit down on him. But I like Mitchell Trubisky. This is another guy that, you know, you plug him in there, he's going to have those games where, where he's very, very successful. The, the, the question with him is when he has one of those games where he throws, you know, 15 of 22 for 140 yards, no touchdowns and a pick, that's the games that kills you. It really does. I mean, the nice thing is he did have 68 rushes for 421 yards and uh, three touchdowns. Uh, that's pretty good. It's really, it's actually pretty fantastic for a quarterback to get that. So he does have a floor that's pretty high. Not as high as Lamar Jackson or anything with rushing yards, but uh, I'll take a look at Trubisky. I, I honestly, I don't think I'm gonna get him in a lot of leagues this year, just because there's so many other quarterback options. Yeah, Mitchell Trubisky, as I said earlier, going at the 10:08 right now uh, off the board. So let, let's talk about a. The, this is an interesting conundrum. Look at who finished 21st and 26th on this list. It was Carson Wentz. And it was Jameis Winston. Again, if you go by average points per game between Winston uh, and, and Wentz, these guys are, are probably right in the, in the top 12. Which guy would you rather have this year? Would you rather have Carson Wentz? Would you rather have Jameis Winston as your quarterback? Or, Dave, would you want to have both of them as your top two quarterbacks on your team? And you could do it. Wentz going at the 10-05 uh, in drafts. Uh, Jameis Winston coming off the board at um, I lost it. Uh, here it is, nine oh four. So you get Winston in the ninth. You get Wentz in the tenth, and you're all set. Kind of interesting that Winston's going in the ninth. Well, the Bruce Arians effect is real, my friend. No, I, you're right. It, you know, it's funny that people you know automatically react to that, and that's good. I, you know, I would look at both of them. I, I like both of them. And for, I like um, Wentz coming you know, the second year off the ACL. I like that actually. I, I feel like he's going to really truly be healthy, and. Um, you know, Winston and I have always ripped on him. Uh, yeah. He is shameless and shameless. Uh, but I, I think that uh, he's a good quarterback. He is. Well, he's uh, just, what is it, three spots ahead of fellow alleged rapist Ben, ben Roethlisberger. Um, so, I, I, you know, I would rather have Roethlisberger over Winston in that case. Touche. Um, but uh, at the same point, you make a strong case for Winston having a massive year under Bruce Arians. I like Mike Evans quite a bit this year, too. And not to mention one Chris Godwin, which we'll get into – later as the season goes on, but I think Godwin is an interesting pick this year. Let's wrap this up here and just talk about some of the other young guys uh, down below. 
Sam Darnold, QB 26, Josh Allen, QB 28, and Josh Rosen, QB 32. I will throw Lamar Jackson in there as QB 33. Uh, I like Lamar Jackson quite a bit, Dave, this year. Uh, I think Josh Allen proved to me that, that he can perform at the highest level, which I had a lot of questions coming into this season. I don't anymore, and especially given what the, the draft pick that you have to invest to get Josh Allen, uh, I'm totally on board with. Um, the one guy I guess uh, I'm, I'm not sold on and I will shy away from uh, is Josh Rosen, but the other guys I'm, I'm on board. Oh, uh, yeah. Uh, by the way, uh, interesting, you'll get this probably pretty easily, but uh, what player uh, who finished as QB number two weeks 12 through 16 is a free agent in the Carrington Dynasty League? Ryan Fitzpatrick? No. Um, hmm. Maybe I won't get it very easy. QB2 averaged 25.78 points per game. He's a free agent. Through uh, what? I'm sorry, what week to what week? 12 to 16. Oh, 12 to 16. I thought you said two. Okay. Um, hmm. This is interesting. He's a free agent in our Dynasty League, and he absolutely crushed. It was, is it Josh Allen? It is Josh Allen. Oh, okay. There you go. Yeah. Yeah. I thought somebody picked him up. He's quarterback in football for the last, like, five weeks. And, I mean, whatever. It's fine that he's a free agent. Right. But it's, it's interesting. I mean, I, a lot of people, I ask this on Twitter, and a lot of people say, well, and he's, he's being drafted, what, like QB 20 or whatever, 22? Uh, he's higher than that. He's going at the 10-11 right now. I'll count him out here in a second. Okay. I thought it was around QB 19 or 20, 22, but or, actually that was the rank of DLF and Fantasy Pros. His dynasty ranking, Balky, is 22. His consensus dynasty ranking is 22. And he, had these, he was killing it. But a lot of people have been saying it's because all he did was just scramble around because it, he wasn't, it wasn't all planned stuff. Right. But if you have that ability to scramble around, I mean, why don't they actually you know, develop that for him? So, he's, he's going at, as, uh, at, at the 10-11 QB 21 is where he is going right now. I think he's worth a flyer. I yeah. think he might actually, this year for quarterbacks, I want to pull my cheapy tight end strategy and just take three, maybe not three, but take two quarterbacks. And there's probably be one on the waiver wire that will emerge and be fine too. I'm on board. I'm, you know, um, I don't know if I would do a Josh Allen, Matthew Stafford, which he could do in the 10th, 11th, but maybe a Cam Newton. Eh, eh, you could do Cam Newton and, and Lamar Jackson. Yeah, that'd be so great. Cam, and you, and Cam you could, and anybody. You could easily do it, 9th and 10th, easily. I mean, Cam is like, you just do Cam and not draft anybody else. Dave, let me rattle off. A bunch of names. These are all quarterbacks going in the ninth and tenth round. The show is still going. I, I, we're gonna. This is the last thing we're I'm gonna talking say. Talking to ourselves. No. This is the last thing I'm gonna say. These are all quarterbacks in FFPC drafts going in the ninth and tenth rounds right now. Okay. Sure. Jameis Winston, Ben Roethlisberger, Philip Rivers, Cam Newton, Carson Wentz, Mitchell Trubisky, Tom Brady, Jimmy Garoppolo, Lamar Jackson, Kirk Cousins, Dak Prescott, Josh Allen. Yeah, you know what that really means, though? It means that two or two to five of those quarterbacks are going in the 12th and 13th rounds in each individual draft. Because right. they're not all going in the 10th and 11th. No, right? I'm saying ADP. Right. It, is, yeah. it is average. So that's the point. Is you can wait. You can really literally wait until the 12th and 13th rounds and take, like, Dak Prescott and Josh Allen. That sounds like, oh, my God, I don't feel like great about it. You'll be fine. It, you'd actually probably yeah. be fine. Yeah, no, you will. And uh, I'll tell you what else that means to me. It makes Patrick Mahomes, Aaron Rodgers, all those guys a lot less attractive to me. Yep. Well, I mean, I mean, Brady is very attractive. But if you're talking about drafting, I get what you're saying. Right. Yes. Thank you for that uh, <laughs> true analysis, my friend. Woo! That is going to do it for our show this week. I want to thank uh, Robel70 for uh, popping on the blower tonight and uh, uh, chewing the fat with us, Dave Gerzak, the FFPC, Rob Bryce, 
and of course, each and every one of you for uh, tuning in as well. Check out those uh, Dynasty Orphans and 2019 uh, FFPC Best Ball Leagues at myffpc.com. Yeah, thank you very much. And uh, thanks so much for listening, guys. We, we, uh, we take pride in uh, offering uh, all these leagues year-round. We started earlier than ever this year, and uh, it, it's awesome to see so many of you taking advantage. And uh, hopefully this show is helping you draft better as well. With that... Thanks to Dave Gerzak, and uh, we'll talk to you again next week. This has been another episode now. of the High Stakes Fantasy Football Hour presented by MyFFPC.com that was broadcast live and heard around the world. Eric and Dave will be back next week with more analysis, interviews, and advice from a guest much smarter than they are. Thanks for listening, and we'll talk with you again next week. We're on the floor, even more so if we on tour. Me and E explore the country, wondering about the evening before. Trying to explain where the time went. Well, other rappers find a studio to grind in. You know, what's funny is you were busy before, but I had the new intro music. I heard it. It was, uh, was it KRS-One? It was a KRS-One sample. From DJ Rectangle? From DJ Rectangle. That's awesome. Wow, good good ears on you, man. Thank you. You can't put anything by, by Dave Gerzak. No question. Except for the fact that Kareem Hunt will, in fact, be suspended for more than eight and a half games this year. (laughs) Other than that, Dave Gerzak is on point. Thanks for listening, everybody. We'll talk to you next week. I hope he appeals and gets six.